1: I belong to a health club where um, I try to maintain my girlish figure as best I can. Um, (laughs) uh, I was out, I was swimming laps today, and I was pausing in between this interval set that I was doing, and there was this woman who was standing, standing on the pool deck, and this little girl who was uh, swimming in the lane next to me and the little girl was wearing fins and she was in a in a lane where there, it was all guys and her and they, they were swimming much faster than she was and she was wearing fins and her mother said you don't need those fins you can go fast you just gotta want it and the little girl looked at her and I just went that was—it was pretty intense, actually. It was like, okay, what's going to happen now? And the little girl looked up at her, and in just infinite wisdom, she said, "Mommy, I'm doing the very best that I can, okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah."
0: <laughs>
1: um, and the mother, the, the the hardest thing for me was not, not the comment, but the reaction once the little girl said that, I'm doing the very best that I can. And she says, well, is it really good enough? And then she kind of turned away went and sat down. And the little girl just kind of, you know, and then it was her turn to swim, so she took off. Um, I think that attachment for any of us manifests in ways just like it did for this mother okay it manifests or excuse me is expressed in ways with major variants hopefully but this was an example of someone meeting a situation and feeling resistance and acting on the resistance articulating her resistance and I'm sure even the mother was trying as best as she could she was doing the best that she could this is how I mean I'm sure something was going on in her head this is how we achieve excellence it's by pushing harder so being able to hold the um, the insensitivity in my view or unconsciousness of the mother and the sadness of the kid uh in that moment became you know a, a very deep practice for me it was it was it was difficult it was difficult and i immediately started thinking of my own parents and what a blessing it was to have them we were a very athletic family all of us were competitive swimmers and water polo players and soccer players i mean i don't know how my parents did it i one is killing me two I know will send me over the edge. My mom did it with four boys all within like you know six years of each other. I don't know how the heck I I have so much respect for her now. (laughs) I mean I do anyway but (laughs) her stock just skyrockets with every every single day. Uh, um, But one of the gifts I think that uh, my parents gave was that there was this unbelievable permission to fail athletically total permission and both mom and dad were so much in sync when it came to did you give it everything you had I mean can you look in the mirror and say I gave this everything I had I gave it my best effort if you can do that you have won and the same thing applies to spiritual work can you give it everything you got or is this kind of a superficial layering f- to aggrandize the personality to to make us look better in the eyes of others or maybe with egoic eyes, is this to make us look better or is this actually about deep transformation because it takes a certain steel as much as it takes surrender and openness it also takes a certain steel and these always appear to be like they're at odds with each other. You know, that, uh, well, wait a minute, if, if if I've got all this, you know, fire and energetic, energetic intention, how possibly could I also mix that with surrender? That's the work. That's why we call it practice. But it's totally doable. You just got to give it your best effort. You got to be able to you have to be able to look in the mirror and say I gave this everything I had. Now there are some steps we can take that can help this process along beautifully. Shortcuts that can be taken egos. Okay, there are shortcuts. <laughs> but with all kidding aside there's a certain element there's a certain element in each of us that has to want this there's got to be some gas in there there's got to be some fuel there has to be some fire and we have to give it permission to burn now what we do with that fire How we channel it, if you will. How we direct it. How we nurture it. How we stoke it. How we meet it. How we let it meet all beings. That takes some skill. That takes some practice and so forth. But I think it might be a very beautiful thing for everyone in here to let that fire burn a little. Let the want Awakening, burn a little. And don't circumvent that process of want yet. Let it burn. And then we'll clean it up if it gets messy. Shall we sit? actually wrote something down this time, so it must be really important. Um, I was mentioning how let let your intention burn and we'll clean up the mess, if need be. And this is because oftentimes when we are engaged in some type of desirous type of situation, It becomes a deep, deep attachment. And ultimately, what we're talking about here is letting intention fuel openness and openness support intention. We tend to look at them as absolutely exclusive. That my intention to do something, my intention to get something, my intention to... That it's all about basically uh, a spiritually cloaked cling. And that happens a lot. It can, you know, in in many situations be that, where somebody's intention actually is... uh, 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 It's a mass of clinging around a particular issue or series of issues... And it becomes egoic in nature. It's about grasping. But if we allow uncertainty in to our expression of intention, if we allow, allow wonder into the wander of intention, suddenly things shift. If we are open to our intention and where it leads us, we have this amazing ability to become comfortable with discomfort. And there is total freedom there. With whatever our discomfort is, be it emotional, physical, existential, relational, whatever it is, whatever, however we may feel discomfort, if we can suddenly watch it instead of trying to avoid it then what happens is our intention to be free of our discomfort allows for a surrendering of our need for comfort a surrendering of our need for comfort allows us to be comfortable with discomfort. Now before I sprain your brains here by saying too much more about that, what's really key here is the recognition that the only constant, according to Nietzsche, is, is chaos or change. Change is the only constant. He was right on that one. At least the Buddha would have agreed with him. Christ would have agreed with him. All the enlightened sages contemporary and ancient would have agreed with that statement that the only thing we got going is chaos and we fight like hell to keep chaos at bay we do whatever we can to make sure that there is no chaos in this house or whatever right (laughs) when in fact that's all that's ever there okay non-chaos is illusory Whoops! (laughs) Whoops. <laughs> so how the heck do we play then? I mean, what how, how do we if chaos is all there is and our intention is to is to be free of all the horror that comes with chaos, what do we what are we supposed to do? Well, let that openness to chaos inform your intention to be free of the discomfort. And what happens? We begin to open. intention has energy behind it intention is uh, suzuki roshi characterized it as a lean if everything is perfect suzuki roshi if everything is perfect as it is then then why do anything well because there's still a lot of work to do yeah there is there's a lot of work to do but what is the the quality of our minds as we engage in that work what is the quality of our mind state? Is it one that's oppositional? Is it an us versus them? A me versus you? A we versus all that out there? That's not very connected. Indeed, it's a cauldron for delusion. So, leaning and having energy is analogous, I've I've shared this with you before, to the steel of a samurai blade and what is it that characterizes a samurai blade above all else is its flexibility because it has been tempered in fire it has been beaten and folded and beaten and you know again and again and again and you create this, this this stiffness this razor that can fly wielded correctly can fly through the air and cut through the layers of delusion that we have in front of us so this intention is key this fire that allows us to temper our own physical bodies so that we can essentially walk straight into directly into the white hot fire of of awareness is really really important but We also have to couple this with the recognition that as much as there is all this, all this razor-like energy, this stiffness that goes into part of our practice, there's also this openness. This recognition that there actually isn't a blade. This recognition that behind everything and in front of everything is infinity. That there is no boundary. That there is ultimately no boundary. So, from the perspective of awakening, we create this really interesting fusion between, um, you know, the fire of intention, the stiffness of intention, and the open, soft tenderness of surrender. We kind of pull these things together in a very very interesting way we let our energy and our lean so to speak uh... cultivate a release from grasping a release from clinging or avoidance clinging and avoidance are actually the same exact thing they're exactly the same thing if i'm clinging to one thing so it can give me solace it's exactly the same thing as pushing it away in favor of something else to give me solace okay so we, we we spend that time as that monkey you know swinging from you know cling to cling up not going there you know whatever a release from that grasping having an intention if you will a purposeful intention to release from grasping is key similarly a release from fear having an intention to let go of fear and fear shows up in two really distinct ways, we are afraid of death or loss and fear also shows up as seeking as looking for something looking for someone looking for anything to take me out of here and then we're right back to grasping So release of fear, release of grasping, actually then sets us up for this openness. The release of fear, the release of resistance, the release of all of that, the release is openness. And what got us there? The intention to do it. And then from that place of openness, what does that do to our intention? Does it kill it? No. It just reanimates it with something that's a little softer. Something a little bigger. Something a little wiser. Something a little more compassionate. And this cycle continues. There's a constant evolution and re-evolution as we build a life from a place instead of contraction we build a life from a place of openness and surrender a place of fearlessness a place that has no grasping a place that recognizes deeply that there is no boundary that all of this is just subatomic spin and yet it's so much more we start seeing how this fusion actually Shows up as a total disidentification from time. We're no longer bound by past. We're no longer bound by future. We're no longer bound by our thoughts. We're no longer bound by our emotions. We're not bound by anything because we are a living example of non division, non duality, this versus that. And we still can order our latte in the morning. (laughs) Just one. Two. You're right back to delusion. (laughs) At least I am. I'm really crotchety when I have two. Yeah, just uh, start to twitch. All kidding aside, we literally can recognize what it means to live from that shimmer of just being not all the other stuff and it's not that we no longer think it's not that we are mindless it's that we are mindful we are absolutely engaged in what it is that we're doing we're absolutely engaged in whatever causes we feel are really important but we're no longer engaged in causes from a place of war we're engaged in causes from a place of peace we meet the world as peace we see the world as an expression of peace even when it's violent we meet others as expressions of the same infinity the same non separation that is ultimately who we are instead of hating people we start seeing ourselves and the hatred we have for what's going on within. And we give that some space, recognizing that that is indeed delusion. That indeed is clinging to a story that may not be true. So all in all, as we start to try to push these things together, we try to push intention together together, with surrender, what do we get? We get this ultimate sense that the One is indeed many. And indeed, the many are an expression of the One. And the dance that occurs in that space is positively beautiful. And we're invited. Want to come? questions. Yeah.
0: Um it seems I don't I don't this is my first time ever coming to any sort of Buddhist thing. I don't really know very much about
1: it. Welcome, by the way. Pink. And that's the coolest color anybody could pick for a cast, by the this way. Is the yeah. Is is it a is it like a
0: it's, it's like neon
1: neon pink? Yeah. You got to be really secure with the That is awesome. I bet you clearly you're going to get dates with that thing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um <laughs> is I think that the most joyful experience I've ever had in my life, or the best experience I've ever had in my life, is when I was attached to something specifically another person, mm, and yeah. I was able, and my attachment was uh, fulfilled, i.e., yeah. I, I got attention back from that person. Right. So, if is this not an example of how attachment can bring us joy, and should we not, or should we avoid attachment, or should we not avoid attachment?
1: Well, in that case, which you were, which it sounds like you're describing, you were attached to another person, and they reflected that attachment back to you, and that is, in all cases, um, intoxicating. Okay, um, and that works not only uh, in relationship, romantic relationship, it also works in friendship, it also works in spiritual work okay you know somebody reflects an attachment back to you and basically what do you got you got ego looking for another ego and finding it okay now what happens is I'm gonna do a little hand puppet dance for you here you will find in relationship typically that beings are beautiful and they're also very very similar and then what happens is they find each other and what they'll do is they'll check, check each other out a little bit. And then at some point, this happens. And sometimes it gets really, really tight. And this is really, you know, this clinging together is incredibly powerful. At some point, however, in all circumstances, in all things in this ephemeral world, they're all temporary, right? Everything is temporary, including the intensity of the grip from one side of the equation. What does this do? It creates one side needing air, needing space. And what it'll do is it'll fight for it until it breaks free. And it has the opportunity at that point to then become beautiful again. Whereas this one can only attract something that looks like this.
0: The other one is what we need to right. And so,
1: and they clench and they hang on just by a little. It's never integrated. It's just kind of claws going after claws. And this gets repeated and repeated and repeated until somehow those claws are opened, usually by years of therapy and spiritual work. <laughs> so so what, you're, what you're talking about here is quite beautiful, and my hope is that everyone in the room has experienced that type of bliss. It's very, very powerful, but it's temporary. And so what's underneath that, what's prior to that bliss state? What's pri- in other words, what's what's before all of that, and what's after it? Typically, we go through life going, "What's after it is hell," because she's no longer there or he's no longer there, right? But instead, what what stillness shows us is that there is a baseline of bliss that actually supports us continually.
0: How do we access that baseline of bliss?
1: You need to practice. Mm-hmm. I hate saying that because I know you you know so like, can't you just give me the, you know you know just give me the bliss you know but instead what this is about i mean not don't misinterpret that i'm not but i'm jonesing for the bliss man it's not that actually it's that we are actually um uh we become comfortable with non-bliss and comfortable with bliss we start get getting totally comfortable as I said with discomfort and then guess what happens you are okay whether you are with or without and you move from this back to this and you will attract another one of these given enough presence what do you do you become the bow with them You become a salute to the infinite with that person so your relationship can become indeed a spiritual practice
0: which, do you, in your opinion, is a better thing to aim for than the blissful clingy state?
1: Yeah, well, romance is really fun, hmm. but it's temporary. It's temporary.
0: So it's the whole question: is it better to have loved and lost, than to have, have never loved at all?
1: No, it's better. It's better to have loved constantly. You don't lose if you really love. You can't. If you love totally, it it. it I mean you you, you don 't lose ego does, but what 's true in you is that love, and when you start coming at the world from that space of surrender, which is what love is, love is surrender. when you start coming at the world from that place of surrender with the intention of not causing harm, what you what you have done is you have become an agent of incredible change, and you will attract. Other agents of incredible change, and love will be yours, continually. And you can have romance in there too.
0: But romance is attachment, then, at least, to suffering, or no?
1: Yeah, it, it it does if you cling to it. If you don't cling to a romantic moment, man, that's a moment. <laughs> what does uh? that
0: mean? Not to it does clinging mean to want something, or to? And don't you want things when you find them very, as you said before, blissful? Right, so how can something be blissful and then at the same point not uh, inspire
1: clinging? I'm going to ask that you give it a shot and then you report back. You might surprise yourself. You might surprise yourself just being totally intimate with not only the person, but being totally intimate with the fact that they're not there. And recognizing that in many cases, (laughs) indeed, the deeper your spiritual practice is, the more you can kind of surf both of those, you recognize you're on the same wave. I know that sounds kind of trippy and weird, but words kind of get in the way. Great question. Thank you. Actually, what's your name? Vincent. Vincent, that's right. Thanks for coming. Anyone else? Yeah. Kim?
0: I was wondering if um, there is a, and this is a practical have to question. Yeah. Um, is
1: there an exercise or a suggestion that you might have um, as a way of, um, you know, during the day, during every day, that um, we could um, center, stop and center and try and bring some of the spaciousness of meditation into that every day. I mean, is there like a little exercise Mm -hmm. or mantra or something like that? Yeah. um, Every single time, Kim, that you brush your teeth, let it fill your entire experience. Close your eyes when you do it. Make sure every single quadrant of your mouth is covered with those bristles. Okay? Get the roof of the mouth too and the tongue. Okay? But do it with your complete, utter, and full attention and do not let it take less than two minutes. Do that for one month. And then, like Vincent, I want you to report back. (laughs) You can add to that then. If you can brush your teeth with utter and total mindfulness, can you now do it with food? Can you brew your coffee and not only smell, mmm, that's good, but can you smell the sunshine that went in to helping to grow those beans? Can you smell the laborers who picked the beans? Can you smell all of it in that one thing? Can you taste all of it? Do you understand what I'm saying? So what we do is we deepen our experience, every bit of our experience, to become an expression of the infinite consciously. We consciously meet all things as an expression of the infinite. And what that ends up doing is it ends up taking away uh, a lot of the distraction. And then after you've added coffee, you know, can it be your drive to work? Can it be, you understand? Mm -hmm. So why don't you give that a shot? (laughs) Yes? I'm Chris. Nice to see you, Chris. Yeah. Um,
0: I, I was with you until you said the coffee and the feeling mm-hmm. the workers.
1: Because um, you don't. The, the practice of. <laughs> I know that was a little weird, wasn't it?
0: Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs>
1: don't hold back. Don't um, hold back.
0: <laughs> the practice of the attention on the toothbrushing and mm-hmm. full enjoyment of that made sense to me. Yeah. Um,
1: but I lost you at the. At everything that went into getting the bean. Yeah,
0: because I'm in a conflict that involves an expression right now of a lot of things going backwards and a lot of things going forward. That's the infinite, and I want to kind of consider that and how I relate. But when I, when I get too lost in that, then I'm no longer actually drinking coffee or dealing with my conflict or whatever it is that's Mm -hmm. happening in my life. So
1: really, really, it's a it's a marvelous challenge. Think about this it's all infinity right every bit of this is infinity in, the infinite doesn't isn't bounded by anything okay except our mind thinks it can tear infinity into shreds and compartmentalize right so what we do with, in other words what I was describing was we attempt to kind of erase those lines even if it's for, for a temporary moment so that we can become so in touch with infinity even as we drink our morning Joe you know that the dance is expressed beautifully no matter what we're doing we start seeing our entire day as a meditation okay
0: I mean I'm with that concept and yeah. practice it in my life and right I, I guess with the infinite and how it mm-hmm. How you stand at, at every moment.
1: You're never not there. Because you're
0: both finite and infinite.
1: Right. But which one wins? In all cases, the infinite will win out over the finite, right? And we are one and we are many, no doubt, okay? But what we're trying to do is we're, we're trying to recognize that the separation that we may feel as if I'm in here and you're out there that is really actually quite illusory and it actually is the sum total of human suffering when I believe that okay all of human suffering is predicated upon this and everything else right? and what we can do in meditation is we start to actually create space it becomes instead of a wall it becomes deeply porous and we get really comfortable with that so that we can then act from separation. Yeah, you got that? Yeah. Okay, well then we're good. Okay. okay. <laughs> you bet. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Filey, yeah. Um, well, first of all, I really don't understand the
0: infinite.
1: Um, well, do you want to start there? Or do you have another sure. fault? The infinite is all things and no thing. How does
0: it relate to intention um, in the presence of conflict?
1: Conflict is is an evaluation that the mind gives to a situation that has intensity. Okay, so our mind acts as kind of like this this translator of infinity, you know, because it's all infinity, but we can't function if I mean, we would be, as I've said before, spiritual couch potatoes if it was all infinity, you know, you know, I mean, there's nothing to do. Right. What a waste of oxygen we'd be. And so what we what we do then is we actually recognize that it's all infinity and I'm part of the dance okay so when we see conflict we engage in that dance but we engage in that dance from a place that isn't attached to one side versus another its attached to the space that infuses the entire conflict and then an appropriate response can happen and that appropriate response will always be generous so how do we meet conflict through generosity. And that might mean that we take a side. It might mean that we don't. It might mean that we do this or do that. But whatever we choose, that choice is infused with something really huge. It's, a, it's instead of being unconscious, bound, and tight, it's open and expansive. It's the same way that Gandhi... Uh, never looked at the British as an enemy. He never, he never looked at the British as an enemy. He never looked at any, anybody in opposition to what he was doing as an enemy. It's
0: like, I, How you I mean, it seems like you're putting so much space around them that they can just be punching in air and not your face.
1: <laughs> well, if they're punching at your face, what's an appropriate response? Stop him. Okay. Buddhist teacher was recently. I shared this again, so forgive the uh, repetition. But uh, uh, well, what would you? What would a Buddhist do to Hitler? He'd kill him. If he had the chance, with total love in his heart. Okay. Now, here's where, we go, uh, here's where we go awry. The minute we start saying that spiritual work means that there is no such thing as anger, there is no such thing as fight, there is no such th- Well, ultimately, yeah, there is no such thing as, as you know, it, anger arises out of attachment. But sometimes there can be an appropriate response that is an absolute no. Otherwise, we become kind of this mushy, you know kumbaya please kumbaya and well you know what there's there's more if kumbaya is about attaching to peace then it's not peace because we're clinging to it if we're going to an anti-war rally we've essentially just declared war on war and that's not helping so there's a, there's a more expansive way that we can, we can tend to look at this and that more expansive way in all ways necessitates a recognition of infinity of the boundless nature of all things in addition to its apparent bondage. Not clinging. Not clinging.
0: It's just a moment in time. impermanent. And that's infinity person's behavior towards me is just a moment in time and it will never be
1: the same again or it might be the same the moment will never be the same but the person's behavior might be the same and the most appropriate response would be something that's generous to you and to them and that might be if you do that again i'm calling the cops to mean it with every bit of your feminine fire Mm -hmm. being serious about it okay as opposed to, I'm, I'm making this up, you know, but, but it's, it's, it's not like, oh, this is temporary, you know, he or she is just having a temper tantrum, I'll let him take it out on me. Why? Because I'm spiritual and I can handle it, I'm not attached. <laughs> what have you just done? You've attached to non-attachment and you've made them, allowed them to be totally unconscious. Is that generous? No, it's not generous to you or to the other person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can see where that would be
1: generous to yourself in that example. How's that generous to the other person? By not letting them engage or come at you or life from a place of unconsciousness. Our job is not to make people happy, our job is to make people more conscious. That's what a bodhisattva does. That's what, that's what somebody, in other words, who, is, who becomes the walking embodiment of awakening, that's what they do. They help people become more conscious. Whether they're happy or not, it's superfluous. It is so trivial. It's whether or not they can be radically honest with what's really going on. And they can be kind of coaxed and teased into that space when we meet the world from a place of utter Complete and total honesty.
0: Conscious of their thoughts or their actions.
1: Mm-hmm. And that doesn't work when we say things like, you need to be more conscious of your thoughts and actions.
0: It
1: no. doesn't work like that. You have to walk the talk. I mean, you could try it. <laughs> yeah, it won't. Yeah. Yes.
0: I'm wondering if you can help me out of a little head game that I tend to play on myself.
1: That's my job. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, uh, one of the things I've really been practicing is going into situations and um, particularly conversations and letting them just unfold Mm -hmm. because I have a tendency not to, like, silence, and so I move into it.
1: Right, right. And
0: I get myself all confused about, well, okay, now I don't kind of feel like I'm being me by not what I would normally do and then okay and now am I attached to trying to let things unfold and you can see the head team start
1: sure yeah. yeah yeah it sounds like well first of all um um why do you think it is you don't you're uncomfortable with silence
0: I just like to talk
1: well yeah so so then go <laughs> let's go underneath that why is it that you like to talk
0: because I, I love to hear people's stories I love to hear what's going on in their heads
1: but how can you do that if you're talking in other words,
0: well I'm asking the questions yeah, 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 I'm asking the things I want to know, I guess.
1: Okay, cool. Okay. The the point is that silence being comfortable with silence is key to this work. Okay? And that would be a really cool practice for you mm-hmm. is to observe the impulse mm-hmm. to jump in. Because that impulse to jump in is an attachment to non silence. Because it makes you uncomfortable, it sounds like what you were saying. Mm-hmm. It makes you uncomfortable, and so maybe one of the things that could be really cool is for you to get comfortable, just for a moment, with being uncomfortable, and then you know jump in if you have to, if you just can't hold back, you know. What's your sign, or you know whatever it is, it, you know, you jump jump right in and then and go for it. You're right, but but at least take the take that moment, take that moment, and let them start to expand, okay that's a real that's a really really cool practice it's a really cool practice because silence defines comfort ultimate silence ultimate stillness is where everything comes from there's nothing lacking there there's no need to move there's no right there's nothing nothing needed and so if you can just tease it with a little bit of silence during your day, if you can tease it when the impulse is to t- jump in, you just, okay. <sighs> okay, anyway, you know, whatever, you can do that. What you start doing is you start actually incorporating and inviting the crash of infinity into your day-to-day. Okay, thank you. You bet. Yeah. Vince, I'll talk to you after, but I got a, a baby to take care of. So, uh, uh, no, Allie has not given birth yet. No, she's but she's uh, she's about to pop. Ladies, your stock has gone up so much over watching my wife go through two or one and soon to be another birth. It's the most amazing thing. It's just so beautiful. Um, anyway, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for coming. Appreciate it.